Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And for today's episode, I have a very, very interesting business career focused conversation. It's actually with a good friend of mine who's been on the show before. It was released around July 2023. His name is Ronnie. And in that conversation, we actually touched a little bit more on lifestyle and personal life and frameworks that him and I talk about in our own conversations when it comes to how we apply that in our personal lives. But for today's conversation, we are focusing on a lot of career and business-based topics. A little bit more about Ronnie. He is a Los Angeles-based entrepreneur with expertise in digital marketing, B2B growth, and consulting. A little less than a year ago, he had his first company acquired, or otherwise known as an exit, for multiple six figures, and now he's currently the co-founder of Lean Growth Formula, where he helps coaches and consultants scale through profit-driven ops. Some of the topics we talk about today include what he recommends focusing on in the early years of your career, the truth about if you really wanted to start a business or get into entrepreneurship, the importance and relevance of being surrounded by fellow action takers, what happens when you start to believe making 50,000 a month or more is possible, how to grow and scale fast as a W-2 employee in the corporate world, and so much more. If you're someone that's a little stuck in your career path right now, or you've been dabbling with the idea of what it could look like to get into building something for yourself, this episode is definitely for you with a lot of good gems. So with that being said, let's dive into the conversation. Ronnie, thank you for joining me in the New York studio. I know last time for longtime listeners, Ronnie's been on the podcast before. I think your episode came out July 2023. Sounds right. Yeah. So that was last time I was in L.A., uh, for your birthday and just kind of, you know, catching up with my LA lifestyle for a few days. Mm-hmm. And then um, today, though, as I shared with you, I really want to touch on like business and career journey and a little bit of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, just because in recent conversations I've had with a lot of my friends, I've realized that while for us, we talk a lot about, you know, credit card hacking and travel and and then like entrepreneur stuff and then you know that one time I texted you hey man like what do you think is actually a hard number to make per month and I think you you said some like large number I don't remember I thought I felt small right but like (laughs) I remember my response was okay in other words you're saying making 50k a month is easy not and and I don't think you said easy you corrected it you're like not easy but like you you clarified it in a way that it's in your brain a shit ton more attainable than what an average person might think, right? Yes. And so I I preface with that because I think that is like our level of conversations when we're talking about like career and aspirations and, you know, building any kind of brand and business. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people at 25, 26, they struggle to actually just figure out what direction they want to go in and then how to grow in a scalable way, even as a W-2 employee to Mm -hmm. make sustainable income, right? 
And so I actually want to start back to where, like, not necessarily your first job, but at the very least, starting with uh, your working days at this Korean barbecue place in California. Sure. Um, and then we'll kind of like work through it. But can you start from there and talk a little bit about your career journey and, and how you observed what worked and what didn't and basically what got you really into business? Yeah. So my first W-2 job mm -hmm. was at a Korean barbecue restaurant. You were actually W-2 there because you were full-time? W-2. Oh, I guess W-2 part-time. Yeah. W-2 part-time. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, say, I say real job because before that I had a job as a uh, at a learning center. I was getting paid under the table. Okay, okay, so, okay. Yeah, but yeah. W2 at Jen Korean Barbecue, pretty popular chain at the moment. There's one in New York, by the way, for any New York listeners. Not <laughs> plugging them, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do like them. I, I, I stay oddly loyal because it was my first Korean barbecue experience ever. Okay. So that's, that's why I do like it. Yeah. But and, and I like rice paper. As you know, I'm I like I need the rice paper and yes. I'm gonna have cream barbecue, but I'm just weird, you guys. Anyway. That's extra funny because Emily didn't eat Asian food before. Right. I mean <laughs> yes, like yes and no. Like I do, but like where I'm the foreign one at the table. Yeah. And even though we're sure. eating Asian food and it's like Emily, like you're holding chopsticks wrong. Emily yeah. had no idea what Thai tea is. Just for That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you you opened me to that discovery. It's pretty bad to all the Asians oh. out there. Uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, first job, uh, first W two job, Jen Korean Barbecue. I got it on accident. Um, I went to eat there with a partner at the time, mm -hmm. and we just got really baked in the parking lot. Saw that they had a <laughs> help wanted sign in the front, so I applied during that lunch, and they called me back, oh, which wow. was cool because I spent that whole summer. Applying to jobs and hearing nothing. Okay. How old were you at this time? Just for context. Like I was 18. Okay. So, so about 10 years ago. Yeah. Ago. Ten, exactly 10 years yeah. ago. So they called me in. I thought I had an interview. I didn't. The regional manager just kind of hired me on the spot. So that was also disappointing. I came in in a suit and well prepped. But anyways, yeah. got the job. And I think that was a great first job. Mm. It was, and it probably still is, one of the most intense working, uh, restaurant working experiences. I can imagine. With the pace yeah. and, like, frequency of requests from tables. Yeah. And then, and unless they change the system now, like, a normal restaurant's going to get, like, four to six tables per server. Mm -hmm. They do, like, 10 to 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have a support system. Anyway, so I don't have to get into that. But, yeah, super intense. And then working with, I started going up in scale at restaurants or, like, Michelin restaurants and all that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and this is one of the first lessons I learned in business, which is the higher up you go market, the higher level clientele that you serve, the easier things get and the more money that you make. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, great first time, first job, really competitive as a culture. And I learned a lot. And I made like one of my first business connections from Jen as well, mm. which is this entrepreneur with a private healthcare company. And yeah, at the time he was making... I think 130k a month traveling eight months out of the year mm. and older dude but yeah he kind of like took me under his wing as like a pseudo mentor it wasn't mm. really a mentor but mm. right this idea of being able to perceive or believe that things things are possible financially right. that was one of the first instances that i got mm. was just going to his place seeing his lifestyle i was like oh wow this is incredible so yeah that's that was kind of the start gen korean barbecue and then I just hopped around to other restaurants, Din Tai Fung, mm -hmm. another, another really popular spot. Yeah. I worked at a really high-end friend spot for a little bit as well in L.A., now closed. But, yeah, that, that was kind of my, my start into the working world. Looking back now as an entrepreneur, what do you think you would not be able to do as well today without that specific those specific working experiences? I don't know the the 
actual answer because yeah. I will say it helped me with sales, which I still do now. Right. But I think I've always been good at talking to people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I would have struggled with sales too much. I will say that I love the food industry for people that are hustling because mm -hmm. I don't believe in full-time jobs while you're building a business because right. I think it takes up too much mental bandwidth Yeah. for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people. And that yeah. was me included. So being able to straddle working an hourly job that paid really well. I think it was like 40, 45 an hour. Yeah. I was working part-time. That was like the perfect setup. So from a skill set perspective, not much, but from an opportunity perspective, it was huge. Mm. What do you, what do you mean opportunity perspective? Being able to work at that type of, uh, I don't know, work-life balance mm. and have all that free time on the weekends or whatever, or, or Monday through Wednesday when it wasn't working yeah. to build and study business. Yeah. For someone who is, let's say, let's say if you were to mentor someone who's in their early 20s right now and whether they want to pursue entrepreneurship or going into that direction um, or they want to maybe just work in a business field in general, right? What is one thing you would share when it comes to figuring out at least what direction you want to go in? So that's a good question because mm -hmm. I actually gave this advice recently. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I went, I met a group of young college kids at a, at a cafe recently and mm. they, yeah, we, we started talking business and he, he sent me a DM, which I love because I always tell people to hit me up if they have any questions and 95% of the time they never do. But right. he's like, hey, I'm trying to figure out a niche, a business to build. And like, there's so much information online. Where do I start? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of your question, right? Yeah. How do you and, get and, direction? And, and I want to separate, it's like, yes, it could be whether they're going to go into building a business or they just want to know the next step to be able to be in a place of testing, you know, entrepreneurship mm -hmm. or being an employee at a place that they actually genuinely enjoy, you know? Sure. So I think it starts with people. Mm -hmm. And whatever you're interested in, whether it's building a product, building a service, I have a heavy bias towards service, but I've also had a software pro product. Mm -hmm. I think if you can go talk to who you want to help, it's, and it's usually based on an, on an interest. So if you like photography, mm -hmm. you should probably go meet people in the industry, maybe people that own photo, uh, photo studios or do this as a living and go talk to them mm -hmm. and figure out, can you help them? Can you work in a similar industry? And I think the mistake that a lot of people make is focusing on what they want to sell. Right. I have an idea. I'd love to make a t-shirt. Mm. They have no idea who the t-shirt's for. Mm. And right. And, and my lesson early in life around knowing who to serve, the, the level of clientele that you should be serving is mm -hmm. super important. The effort to sell lower, lower end clientele is the same effort to sell higher end clientele. One just pays 10x more. Right. So yeah, I, th I think it starts with people. I think it starts with conversations. Mm -hmm. and maybe that goes back to my restaurant days. Who knows? But I learned that lesson actually recently in the last two or three years as I started getting into consulting and before I've always started with what I wanted to sell and I kind of brute force my way. Mm -hmm. But I think if you just can understand an industry or a market or one type of person, again, mm -hmm. if I like got really obsessed with photographers, what could I build for them? Mm. That makes things way easier. And ideally you just align it with something you're kind of interested in. I think there's a misconception that you need to be passionate about something. Mm -hmm. I'm a logical thinker, so maybe I have a bias there, but mm -hmm. I think Interest develop, develops passion with enough effort. Elaborate a little bit on that. Like why? Like do, have you experienced that yourself? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So my, I used to run a marketing agency. Right. I did not care about it at all mm -hmm. until we were making money, until I was 
supporting the livelihoods of a bunch of people at the company. And so I got to develop relationships with my clients. Mm -hmm. That made it super fulfilling, fulfilling to go into work every day. Okay. But before that, I wasn't like, I want to run a marketing agency. Right. And so that's what I mean. And then I don't know if this is true. It might be anecdotal, but I heard that the Chipotle guy was the same. Like he didn't care about Chipotle mm -hmm. until he saw how impactful it was. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean. I think as long as you have an interest in something mm -hmm. and the, the, the reason having some interest is really important mm -hmm. to me is because you have to be able to become obsessive mm -hmm. about a certain thing so right. that you can become competitive. Because you're going to lose to someone that is. I agree. There's no shot that you're going to you know, compete with someone. Right. And I love the example around fitness. Like someone who's really fit in their free time, they're looking at fitness things. Like their mind is always thinking about fitness. So right. You're never going to be more fit than them if you're not. So I think business is the same. I think career is the same actually as yeah. well. Yeah. I'm, I'm just creating a hypothetical for you. What would you say to someone, let's say they don't know where to start? Like you said you didn't initially care as much about your then digital marketing agency, right? But what was the what was the interest for you at that point, right? If it's not digital marketing in itself, what is the actual interest? I'm trying to like backtrack it for someone that's like, okay, if they can't even figure out what interest is, and you just shared your example, what's what is interest for you in that context, or what was interest? So my interest at that time was how to make money online. Okay. Freedom. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah. It was honestly a stupid goal. Okay. I think it was driven by my the chip on chip on my shoulder that I had from getting kicked out of college mm -hmm. and not wanting to have an establishment or my perceived notion of an establishment have power over me. Mm -hmm. So aren't we the same? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. ENTJs. So that, yeah, that was my interest. And then it became, became marketing. Mm -hmm. And I started to love the psychology of that. Cause I think I've always loved how people work mm -hmm. understanding. Yeah. Just the mechanics of them. I think at that time I was also pretty immature and wanted to like control my environment really heavily mm. and so yeah it kind of felt like all of that was connected how can I influence people to swipe their credit card with me right the hours at that time might differ from where you're at now right in terms of or maybe it's about the same would you say it's different or the same in terms hours of, of work yeah hours of work and or effort whether they're separate or whether you see it as separate or together because at that time it's like your first business right mm -hmm. like your first real business and now you have a lot more experience and years under your belt mm -hmm. I think the hours and effort really depend on whether you are staying in the same industry <clears throat> okay because for instance when I went from a service business to a software business it felt like starting from ground zero right right <clears throat> and this is the issue that a lot of people run into in business or in career, it's, mm -hmm. it's hopping around and always having to start fresh. You do maintain some skills and soft skills and experiences, or whatever, but you lose a lot of it. I would say you probably lose like 80% of it. Mm. And the most successful people I've known just stick to one thing for like five to seven years. When you say one thing, <clears> you <throat> mean like industry or like? Probably an industry. Okay. Yeah. So it could be. I don't know why I'm using this photographer example, but like if you worked in the photo business, mm -hmm. you just kept that as your, <clears throat> your your root industry. Actually, I'll use I'll use videography as one because that's our mutual friend. Yeah. So he he got into videography when he was young, like mm -hmm. college, mm -hmm. and then he developed that into a marketing skill, how to build video ads for brands. Right. And then after that, he's now consulting and and helping build video marketing teams at mm -hmm. brands. Mm -hmm. And every time, 
the amount of financial reward has increased tenfold. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. video has always been the backbone of that entire process. He's never went completely separate. Right, me. right. Okay, I like that you shared that because something that I've seen, I think you can probably attest to a little bit of this too, is in the tech world today, or just the fact that we have so much um, information and knowledge spreading on social media, a lot of people really just want to jump to the place of making, let's just say 10K a month, right? Mm -hmm. And they're all like, let's say there's a lot of coaches right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, people who are young, maybe they want to be a life coach or something, right? And they're like, oh, I can do that too. I can be a digital entrepreneur. I can be a nomad. I'm not saying that one can't, but something I've, I've shared this in conversation with someone recently is I realized if you look at all the people, even in their mid, late 20s, our mutual friends included, that have been able to build a sustainable income or revenue through being um, an entrepreneur, they also started at a place where they were really scrappy or maybe in his first role, he was the videographer, right? He was the one holding the camera. And then years later, he's the one kind of directing people, right? Mm -hmm. And then another couple of years later, it's like, all right, consulting and how to, how to build it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think my question for you out of curiosity is like, do you think someone can get to that third phase where he's at right now without that first phase ever? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I won't say no, but it's going to be really hard. Yeah. And, you know, he's the same age as me. Mm -hmm. So it, it's been 10 years for him right. to get to where he is. Right. And so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty hard. I, I don't think you can skip it most of the times. So you might yeah. have connections or right. whatever, but... Again, it's it's really about being competitive or competent. And there is acquired knowledge, I believe is what it's what it's called, where you can't get it unless you're working in the industry. 
You can't mm-hmm. learn it from a book or from a course. Right. So I think your life, your career, your business are going to be the sum of all the acquired skills and knowledge that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the type of intelligence that you gain in your 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. which is this collective, I think it's called cumulative IQ. Mm. It's less, I call it young. You're not like adapting and thinking on your feet as much. You just have this repertoire of experience mm-hmm. and knowledge in your head. Yeah. And it allows you to be more capable. Yeah. It allows you to be a better teacher, mm-hmm. better parent. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to shortcut that by much. Right. I know this is definitely more hypothetical for both of us because we're not in any kind of corporate environment or working for someone else. But if you were to imagine yourself or even a close friend who has no interest in entrepreneurship, right, but definitely wants to pave a path for themselves um, as an employee somewhere, Mm -hmm. and they're, let's say, 24 right now, (laughs) what would you say... Because I do think there are parallels, actually, whether you're an entrepreneur or working with someone else, there's parallels to like levels of effort and time you need to put into that area of your career, right? Sure. Um, what would you say you would be focusing on if you were 24 right now in the early two years of your career working at a company? I'd be focusing on relationships. Okay. I think that is universal. Who you know and how you know them like the quality of quality and depth of your relationship will go really far. Mm-hmm. It's a bit capitalistic, unfair maybe. I like it because I'm good at the game. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's all it is at the end, end of the day. When you see people with privilege or whatever, it's because of who they know. Mm-hmm. And I think whether you're in business or a corporate, corporate job mm-hmm. and whatever, it may not apply directly to your current situation maybe the culture's crap mm-hmm. but there's definitely another company or someone at, at another company that you could build a relationship with to mm-hmm. change your current dynamic mm. and that's all from relationship building mm-hmm. and so yeah i think kind of seeking out who those people that could become mentors or at least yeah influential people that could connect you mm-hmm. with your potential future would be really helpful to think about now and for forever yeah tom bill you had a great quote from impact theory that was saying Something along the lines of 10 or 20% of the people you know today will change your life, but you don't know who they are. Mm. So the best thing that you can do is one, continue to connect with more people. Yeah. And then two, take care of the people within your circle. Right. So, yeah, I think that's what I would really be focusing on uh, as priority number one. Priority number two would be developing skill sets. Mm. And I've, I've told this to a lot of people recently. If I was starting now and I was 24. on this career then topic talking with people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I was 24 starting now, if I had a nine to five, the skill that I would learn is content marketing. Mm. Content marketing. Content okay, marketing. Okay, okay, yeah. Probably video, but I think you could probably explore other other ones. Because mm-hmm. if you understand video, mm-hmm. how to how to capture attention, you could literally do anything with your life. Mm. You can become a YouTuber. You can launch a product business. You mm-hmm. can launch a service business. Mm-hmm. You can launch an AI video tool. Plugging myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. I would just, I'd want to pick a skill that, again, just translates to everything. Mm. Um, I know someone with a nine to five, the girl I'm seeing, that wants to get into video. Mm-hmm. And she also wants a job at Netflix. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, well, if you had a decent YouTube channel, they'd probably think you're more competitive mm-hmm. just because you understand media. Mm. So that's an example of, again, it just translates really well. Right. Or you do so well on the, the YouTube or media side that's like, oh, okay, I can go take a less competitive salary 
better work-life balance and fulfillment and mm-hmm. then go do this thing that I like. So mm. it still open do- opens doors and changes the, the dynamic of your life in a positive way. Right. Out of observation, what do you think holds people back? So let's say in that example, you shared how she has curiosity for maybe diving into video or media, right? In general, what do you think holds people back from actually taking that step to do that thing that they they say that they want to do or they want to be in or like shifting a little bit of the realm? They confuse perfectionism with procrastination. Oh, I heard that recently too. Was yeah. it Alex from It was from <laughs> <laughs> Of course we both. Okay. Yeah. On Modern yeah. Wisdom? Yeah. Okay. Modern great. Wisdom podcast. Oh, love, love to hear it. Yeah. 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 No, that, that like perfectly summed it up. Yeah. I, I always think about this too. I've said it in, in less eloquent words. I think I just said, there was another video, I think from Evan Carmichael that I watched a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he had a video that was like, your next steps as entrepreneur are like, that's what I'm imagining the title to be. Mm-hmm. And the first line in the video is just like, if you don't know what to do and you want to start your business, you don't want it bad enough. <laughs> If you don't know what to do... So it's like, if you're trying to figure out what to do next... Oh. You suck, is basically what he said. He's <laughs> like, if you. you know, it's like, if your mom had cancer, you would know what the next step <laughs> is to do to save your mom from cancer. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the answer that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Actually, I like that too, to be honest, but we're hardcore, so... Yeah, but but I think that Hermosi answer is probably more accurate. Like, someone feels like they want to do it right the first time. Yeah. It's this guise of perfectionism, which really is just procrastination because... The second part that Hermosi gave was kind of similar. If you were actually not procrastinating, you would be doing so many things day to day to get to perfection, to get to that perfect state or end outcome that you want, that Mm. high quality outcome. Mm. But there's so much action behind it that, again, you would know what to do. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I wanted to launch a video ad for a business and I knew nothing, I'd probably start on YouTube. How do you create a video ad? Oh, I need to create a video script. What the heck is B-roll? Right. How do I collect B-roll? Well, can't right. So these steps are infinite. Yeah. If you actually wanted it bad enough, if you could be resourceful, if oh, you can reach yeah. out to people. Oh yeah. But there are so many things, right? Like so, the the college kid that reached reached out to me recently. I hope he's taking action. I t- I told him if you want to get more advice, take action. So, mm-hmm. but normally people would get advice, mm-hmm. which his advice was like, okay, who do I help? What's my niche? What's my targeting? And then they would just stay on that for forever. Mm-hmm. And you don't get feedback. You mm-hmm. can't ask the next question, what do I do next, if you're still on the same step. Right. And right. so I think that's the main reason people don't move forward is because they're so stuck in this procrastination phase. Right. And then you insert emotional reason, usually mm-hmm. usually fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection. Right. Fear of looking stupid. Right. And yeah, they just can never ask the next question, which they'll stay there forever. Have you ever been in a state of procrastination of some sorts in the past? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's still a challenge, I think. How did you how did you overcome that for you for yourself personally? I or like maybe like anything because I for example, mm-hmm. I, we're both a little bit maybe perhaps more hardcore than certain listeners, mm-hmm. right? I know for myself, I have, you know, for example, like I, I do think I think about it logically. If I'm living in a city like New York, which I fucking love this city, right? <laughs> But I can't pay bills or afford to live in the environment that I'm in without having a level of revenue or income for my agency, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So then it drives me to move faster because it's like my driving thing is, well, if I want New York bad enough, I will figure out whatever it takes to 
have the resources to afford such right mm -hmm. um so i think it's it's sometimes i mean that that's a nice way of talking to myself sometimes i'm just like you're just being a pussy or whatever mm -hmm. um of course not encouraging that kind of language or self-talk but like i don't know i was a former athlete and i think i've been scolded differently in russian so <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i've had it harder but I, I think that being said like i'm curious what's your process for how you recognize where you're procrastinating and then what gets you to the driving factor because it's fascinating to me it's kind of funny that we've both been in conversations with people that um you know are, are just figuring it out right and, mm -hmm. and people who are kind of like oh what do you do next and what do you do here and what do you do here and so i'm really like just trying to pull back all the layers of like what gets in people's way yeah yeah so i think it's it's two parts the first one is just breaking inertia it's it's, it's moving getting mm -hmm. started and i think for that it is trying to get around people that are action takers like me. surrounding yourself surrounding okay. myself mm -hmm. I agree. and the them, yeah. question that comes up is well what if i don't have any of those people because you probably don't right i go to podcasts and i still do that okay if i'm feeling a lack of motivation or whatever yeah i'll go listen to a few podcasts and mm -hmm. then hear or i'll call a friend that is an action taker mm -hmm. one conversation and like okay cool and so you're common about like not shitting on yourself with words or whatever okay. I, I think you should just do whatever it takes yeah yeah so i agree i do that sometimes too yeah um yeah. And so figure out what gets you over that hump to start. Yeah. yeah. Because again, the faster you the faster that you can complete step one, you start being able to ask what's step two. If you're stuck on step one, you will always be stuck at step one. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to be wrong because that that's again, step two will lead you to step three. And then maybe you'll go back to a different step two. Mm -hmm. And so you're just improving and acquiring this cumulative IQ that we were mm -hmm. talking about earlier, mm -hmm. which will just make you a better person. And then once you get over the hump, step two is being able to maintain it yeah and i had a friend ask me recently like how did you increase your your bandwidth or working capacity to do 10 12 hour days and this is a layla hermosi quote but my one of my first mentors also showed me this we, we used to work together on whatever his startups and i couldn't keep up with the way that he was working mm. in terms of duration or intensity okay and i remember we were like walking one day and he's like you know I think my dad had a very similar conversation with me when I was younger. And he just said to me, hey, I don't think you have it in you yet. That's okay. And so he told me that in that moment. And I was like, oh, okay. There's a big gap here. Let mm. me see what I can do about it. Mm. And what I learned was just trying <laughs> progressive overload for, mm -hmm. for the, the fitness people out there. If you work 12 hours a day once a month, that one day a month is going to be absolutely horrible every single month if you just do one day a month 12 hours a day right but if you do it six times a week it just becomes normal right and so again step one get over the hump figure out what motivates you what backs you into a corner right fear whether you're in an abundant state if you just need you know flowers and fairies to get you motivated great whatever just get over the step yeah, step yeah. one step two just keep adding every single week yeah Okay. I, I, after work, I'm doing an extra one hour. Yeah. I'm going to do that this whole week. Next right. week, I'll do an hour and a half. Yeah. And even if you start regressing a little bit, mm -hmm. it's like if you strength train, you're not going to ever regress to zero because right. you've built that strength. Right. So that's true. Yeah. yeah I think those are kind of like the two steps yeah. on how to get it started and how to keep it going. Right. And, and something that you mentioned that I actually almost forgot that has been relevant for my progress since 2020, I think exponentially in business and like my career is surrounding myself with action takers yourself included and many of our mutual friends that we have in la and now around the world of 
in my case, entrepreneurs, right? And people that understand, um, I think, this kind of world and lens. Because on the other side, I have a lot of my girlfriends who I think I can only say one close girlfriend of mine is a fellow entrepreneur and has certainly built much more than I have. Um, but the rest are kind of in maybe different normal spheres, if you will. Um, and so it's a different level of action taking. And I, I noticed that once I started to have a circle of entrepreneur friends, which is relatable to what I'm doing, both in media and building the agency and just, I think, living with more autonomy, that was also a motivator. As I joke with you, it's like I am the poorest entrepreneur in the group because I have not sold a company. <laughs> it's like, but I love saying it where people are like, oh my God, why would you say that? It's like, well, to me, it's kind of a fun joke, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of like, oh, great. Like this friend and this friend, this friend sold his company two years ago and this one just sold it last year. So there's me. <laughs> like, what's <Yeah>. up? <laughs> you know? Yeah, actually, I used to say something in college when I was getting started with all of this. Mm -hmm. I used to say, I love being the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. really good at networking with entrepreneurs because that's who I wanted to be like mm -hmm. and it was such a good skill to attain mm -hmm. how to get in the right rooms yeah um yeah so that's spot on how did you start in the beginning though because I and I think it's important to share because I realized the way we all connected at that entrepreneur brunch um I guess three and a half years ago mm -hmm. now actually I think some of them you met virtually right yeah I, I, initially before we just all happened to be in LA and at that time I had only known you for probably like did we ever meet in person before that? We might not have. That might have been the first time we met in person at that brunch. But yep. we had virtual. We had a Zoom. Yeah, we met and, on Zoom. Yeah, and we had a Zoom because of a friend that, you know, your own entrepreneur friend that was on my show years back, and mm -hmm. then he connected us because we're both in California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I've always been resourceful. Yeah. With people online, I, and if you are very type A or maybe entrepreneurial, you probably relate to feeling kind of alone yeah and yeah, so yeah, yeah. Exactly. I just went online to kind of fill that gap mm. and that's been it for the most part I did meet like yeah that one friend through serving at Jen but that's yeah. really rare yeah and he was older and it was still a bit of a disconnect yeah but I think online you can really find anyone mm -hmm. there's a, there's a random group Facebook group discord whatever there's yeah. a group of your people out there for sure and I think that's the easiest way to find them yeah yeah no I, I agree with you I, I think that plus figuring out direction um, is often what I see is like the two biggest struggles that a lot of people within my age sphere mm -hmm. is kind of facing right now is because sometimes <laughs> if you are around those fellow action takers or in whatever sphere, right, um, you then get over the hump of taking the first step, right? Mm -hmm. And vice versa, I think like if you take the first step, I think back in my case, I moved to L.A., and then eventually I left my corporate job at the time, I think within, you know, eight months or whatever. And mm -hmm. so I was because surrounded by action takers, was more motivated to do so, was in L.A., which costed a bit more than O.C., I feel like. And mm -hmm. I was like driven by those things. Right. And so I feel like it, it interestingly, in my case, it went hand in hand. And I think yet people struggle to know, OK, well. How do you get how do you meet this person? How did you meet this person? Because I think that's for me, interestingly, one of my biggest um, strengths is like relationships and network. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, our, our mutual friend, Elia, he came up to me at the mall. Mm -hmm. Right. He came up to me at the mall. And after talking about, you know, I think psychology, personal development, Tim Ferriss, all these people that we like. 
we exchange Instagrams and lo and behold, we see that we both follow Ronnie, yeah. you know? And so it's kind of interesting because then you start to actually be in the cir- like in a circle of similar and like-minded people, you know, just by taking that step. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the first step is initiating. Yeah. And online, that's figuring out how to DM someone appropriately and not yeah. be annoying. Yeah. But the second part of that, which is basically what you're mentioning, is becoming someone high value, yeah. worth, worth the time. Mm-hmm. Someone with shared interests yeah. over that group that you want to get into. Right. Because that's what I struggled with. I was really good at meeting people. Okay. I'm talking seven, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs as yeah. a college kid. Okay. And a lot of them bet on me and gave me help. And I just squandered the opportunities. I see. Because I had just inexperience yeah. and, you know, no personal development done. So I think that's the other part mm. is you get in the right rooms and then you figure out how to not waste your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you, usually that is, is actually quite simple. You get feedback, you do the work, and mm-hmm. then you share that you did the feedback. You, you, you know, you took the action on the thing. Yeah. Especially if people are ahead of you, they want to bet on you. They want to support you. Right. But they also don't want to waste your time. Right, right. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. What do you think is the difference between people that actually start to, like, go fast in that trajectory and people that end up kind of trekking behind? And I think this definitely applies, right, from friends that we had when we were 21 that, like, seemed like they were going in the same direction, too. Mm-hmm. And then we just started, like, bursting a lot faster, right? What do you think is that difference? And it's, it's weird because sometimes it's like, well, I made it because, you know, I'm not saying in that mm-hmm. sense. But you know what I mean? I think that there's sometimes, like, I personally always love listening to that, um, especially because, you know, I, I come from, like, a, an athlete mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I love hearing what is the difference between the top 10 players in the world versus you know, top 100, you know? Are you asking what, what's, how do people in the early 20s get ahead and then why do people stay there? Is that the question? More or less, yeah, very, very yeah. much so. Because I, I do think that that there's that stage of life where you mm-hmm. just kind of like go like this and unfortunately some friends are left behind or some people, whatever, left behind. Yeah, I, I think that really just happens because people don't want to take the time to develop themselves mm. because of fear or lack of confidence that they can do it mm-hmm. or that it's actually possible for them. Okay. So that holds a lot of people back. Mm. Um, I met a girl at a cafe because I was wearing my Hermosi hat and <laughs> she complimented and said that she listened to him and blah, blah, blah. And then when I started to learn about her and what she wanted to do, she was basically in this state of never taking action. Oh. And then I was speaking to it. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, you probably see me and I'm, understand what I'm sharing with you, but don't think you can do it. And she's like, yeah, you're reading my mind. Oh. And so, right, and she probably still hasn't taken any action because mm. it's it's a mental block. You have to face a lot of insecurities to be able to get to like zero to one, that first action. Right, right. Zero. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of work and sometimes it's not worthwhile for that person at the moment. It's right. Okay. Do, you, do you believe that that zero to one phase kind of almost always needs to be done alone? To some capacity. <laughs> you remind me of a funny lesson that I learned. So, again, I used to be really good at meeting people. I'm still good at meeting people. Yeah. But I was hanging out with a buddy who was a really successful marketer mm-hmm. uh, a, a long time ago. And I was like, how many mentors do you have? And he's like, oh, I had this guy. I have three mentors in the marketing space. And at that time, I had, quote, unquote, two. And so I said to him, oh, I just need a third one then. And this is when I was just getting started. And he looked at me and said, you know, sometimes you just got to do the work yourself. 
I was like, damn. <laughs> Wait, Facts. how old were you here? I don't know. Uh, early 20s. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Get hit with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I meant around like step one, sure, it's meeting people, but step two is being worthwhile as a person. (laughs) I need a third mentor (laughs) for what, man? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you definitely have to do the work. Yeah. No one's going to save you. Right, right. And and, and I ask that mainly because I think that um, while we have people that we listen to who have also expressed that period Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, entrepreneurship or just pursuing and designing a life that fulfills you in any way where where you're very intentional about it, there is a period of doing a lot of things on your own, right? And really getting to design and move those pieces together. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just can't wait for other people to join you or yeah. wait for other people to help you do it, right? For sure. Um, and so I share that because I think I've been timid about, I think, sharing those specifics with my own journey because you know, coming from the East Coast, moving out to California, going to college, you know, signing my own apartment leases, never living in dorms. Like I think all of that I did by myself, but I didn't quite know the intention if I were to share that out loud, what would be helpful. And I realized the helpful aspect is the fact that some people haven't heard enough that that period while scary and the insecurity part is, you know, you don't have anyone holding your hand through it. Mm-hmm. You can't just always rely on someone to emotionally support you throughout the way. Mm-hmm. That is the actual challenging part, right? Is yeah. that the acknowledgement of the reality is most cases, if not all times, mm-hmm. that period zero to one must be done mm-hmm. on your own to get to the other side. Yeah. You what, know? what motivated you to get through zero to one? Um, well, I think, as you know, um, a college breakup, I think you know, my own experiences with having different generation of parents and their immigrant background and and just having different, I think, views on life that it really propelled the desire for autonomy and freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that in order to make my own life decisions, such as where I live, how I live, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of that comes from well, can you foot the bills then, right? Like Gary Vee would say, if you're going to uh, fight your parents on something, but they're mm-hmm. paying for your rent, you know, you kind of can't say because yeah. right, they're controlling your life, right? And so I think realizing that at 18, I was like, well, I want to pave my own path. I'm in California in Laguna Beach going to Earth Cafe where I came from a town where it takes 20 minutes to get to Starbucks, literally, right? Yeah. Um, so I think I kind of realized like, in order to get there, I can't wait for my parents to help me because they're not helping me. They're like, we want you to do what we want you to do. You know what I mean? Yep, like, we yep. want you to stay in the corporate job because my mom didn't find, I think you knew this, my mom didn't find out I left my corporate job ADP until she listened to the podcast <laughs> where I'm like, you guys, I left my job like a month ago. My mom calls me. She's like, you left your job? I'm like, oh yeah, I did that like a month ago. You know what That's I mean? That's funny. Um, but, it, but I think for me, it was also realizing like, I'm 20 years old in college, but no other 20-year-old girl really wants to do this, right? And Mm so being out in LA in Orange County, there's a lot of creatives, a lot of people on Instagram and YouTube. Mm -hmm. I decided to become friends with more of them. They were closer in age, but they were maybe just full-time YouTubers and never went to college. And that was a whole different experience in itself because then I saw some, you know, maybe social differences, to be honest. But I think either way, it was like, well, if you want this, if if you feel like... I've always looked at online people as like, well... If them, why not me too? That's always been my framework. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that came from um, training in an elite environment for figure skating, being around national champions when I was the like here and they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, I never looked at them and was like, 
why like I can't be like her or I can't you know win in a competition because mm-hmm. we had the same coach it was literally yeah. like oh I'm next right like mm-hmm. it's going to be me and so I think that framework parlayed into um when I looked at even whether it's the Hermoses or other fashion influencers whoever I would see out in LA I was always like I can be like her too or I yeah. can be a different version of that too there's no reason why I can't and I even think that for the fucking Kardashians, to be honest. Now, mm-hmm. not to say that I want to be anything similar to them, but there was never a time that I looked at people of such status and thought that I could not create something similar mm-hmm. for my own life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the biggest difference. But I also was like, well, they're not going to help me. Mm-hmm. And my parents aren't. And my best friend isn't. It's all on you, Emily. You yeah. Know? Um, but I don't know if a lot of people understand that that's actually the mentality, like the root mentality before coming to one. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. You know, there there's like two schools of thought here. Hermosi goes, you just need to take action and outwork yourself out to, right. to build the confidence, which I think is true for long-term mm-hmm. confidence. But then I think what you're talking about is like the naivete or delusion yeah. <laughs> of someone who doesn't know better. Right. And I had a lot of that too. Mm. And that got me to a lot of places and into a lot of rooms. Mm-hmm. And now I'm dialing it back. But yeah, I, I think... If you don't take a shot, you're going to, you know, miss it. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. Right. I guess. Right. I, I don't know. I, I think, too, in, in an interesting way, and I think life is like, – people get motivated by different things. But I – to be honest, every time we have, you know, as some – we shared this on our podcast last time. We have calls where we connect pretty much every six weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So on our calendar, it's like a recurring event. And, you know, I think the thing is, like, every time we've connected, whether we talked about personal life or more business-related things, I think – um, I've always looked at it from a lens of, hey, man, like the fact that I have friends that are doing this mm-hmm. and, you know, are, are living this way or generating, um, you know, this level of revenue or are I'm two degrees over from someone they know that makes, let's say, 300K a month. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about the the money or, or how much one makes or whatever. It's the reality, though, of like realizing how actually attainable that is, like that I am only you know, two degrees away from someone that is doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes back to, um, I think like the whole betting on yourself thing that we're talking about, but also surrounding yourself with people that, that motivate you to see that as a possibility. Right. So I think that's, that's been a big part is having that circle of people. Um, and of course, like dating an entrepreneur that also has those types of visions that makes me go, okay, like this is possible. Whereas I do think it can be crippling if you are surrounded by a circle of people that don't see that as possible. Whereas to be honest, making 10K a month, like as a W2 is what, that's 120,000 a year, right? That's Mm -hmm. probably like a a normal third year job in like a city like New York or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. That's for some people. And, and that is like a, actually a good chunk of money, especially if you're single, right? Like yeah. you're, you're not covering it. Like that's a good chunk of money for sure. Um, but the fact that you can go from mentally like, okay, you can do that self-employed and you can do 50K. It's like, holy shit, that's real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean though? Because just the fact that like, if I never heard those numbers, that's why I texted you that one time. I was like, what do you think is our <laughs> number, right? Yeah. Because that's just how my brain works though. And so I'm very self-aware of that process. And I know that the moment I hear it's real, I'm like, all right, that's next. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. What, how is that, like, what have you been able to do to like motivate yourself in that direction of like seeing, okay, this is possible, you know, from, from again, Korean barbecue mm-hmm. to digital marketing 
leaving that and then like being where you're at now and realizing like, okay, this is what I can do if I, you know, put my head down over the next three, four years. Mm -hmm. I think kind of what you said, just being able to connect with people Mm -hmm. and connect with a lot of people and then find the people living the life that I want Mm. and just trying to understand what got them there. Mm. And you obviously can't recreate where they currently are, but you can recreate the steps, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just has been the most insightful thing ever. Mm. I went to a conference in 2018 or something. And, you know, I met a guy named Eddie Maloof there, who mm. at the time was had a small business with his fiance and, and cousin, I think. Mm. But he, yeah, kind of put me on and, and, and shared what they were doing. And I was like, wow, like this is possible. I think they're doing like 50K a month at that time. Wow. And now they do 20 mil in a year. <laughs> right. And and yeah. I've seen the progression. Mm-hmm. And he posts how long he works. So I'm like, okay, well, one thing for five plus years, mm-hmm. working to midnight every single day, mm-hmm. taking high risk financially to mm-hmm. invest in more resources to learn. Yeah. You just start to see the steps. And right. then you if you keep developing yourself and you mm-hmm. keep getting into the right rooms, you're gonna get better, higher levels. So you're gonna attract people that are swinging above your weight class. Mm-hmm. And you're going to continue to kind of build this this database of references. Right. Because you have to see it to believe it really at the end of the day. Right. You mentioned that he built that with his fiance and, and cousin or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. What have you observed about people when it came to like, okay, building a successful business or having to put that many hours mm-hmm. and whether they had a partner active in their life or not? I'm just really curious on that front. Yeah. I know you're you have a lot of insights on you know observing and, and you know being around mentors and whatnot too yeah like how he was able to do that with a partner yeah and and whether you think just as an outsider mm-hmm. that impacted him more positively than negatively right because sometimes there's this um notion where people think oh I must do this like complete lone wolf yeah right and then sometimes the reality is actually if you have an XYZ type of partner, mm-hmm. that's actually exponentially better than doing a lone wolf, right? So yeah. I, I think that's sometimes a good question. Yeah, I think the lone wolf thing is completely stupid. Yeah. I think, sure, it's a spectrum and maybe you ask for help a little bit less, but yeah. doing things in isolation mm-hmm. isn't going to get you very far. Yeah. Because I think innovation happens through collaboration. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lone wolf thing isn't going to get you very far. In terms of Eddie's case, his wife, Terry, is like she's amazing Mm. and she was a big part i think of his success wow and so you know they built the business together and you could see her operational brain she like built out a completely new department of their business that Mm. became the main business wow and so i think having the right romantic partner is the most important business relationship that you can have wow they're gonna build you up or tear you tear you down all at the same time you know do they make you feel guilty when you're pursuing something um yeah, Patrick Bet David, I think, has a great video on YouTube talking about like what it's like dating an entrepreneur. And then his wife made a response video. Like, <laughs> what to, <laughs> to, to, yeah. So and he gave all the the tips or whatever. And like, this is how you think about dating an entrepreneur. But I loved the one advice his wife gave to the entrepreneur, which is okay, if you're gonna need a supporting partner, the one role you can't break is you have to show progress. <laughs> And mm. I really like that. Mm. It's a trade-off. If yeah. someone's going to sacrifice to support you yeah. or sacrifice to work in the business with you, yeah, you have to make sure as a leader that you're bringing results. Yeah. No, that's fair. 
Yeah. Oh, I, and I like that you said that, right? Because I've, you know, I've shared in personal conversations with you that I do clash a lot with this, the mentality of of certain people, especially I think, to be quite honest with you, I think a lot of the Andrew Tates of the world, mm-hmm. where they perceive um, success and dominance and and financial success, kind of one zone. And whereas I see a lot of healthy people, yourself and the people that we like to listen to, expressing it more of well, here's how that combination actually comes out if you have this type of partner, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's I like to be explicit about it because I think that um, I'm obviously personally an advocate of, well, healthy relationships plus that can can make you progress a lot faster mm-hmm. than believing like lone wolf and, and more or less fucking around while you're being a lone wolf on your journey to success and dominance, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Last question, because I don't know if I ever, if I asked you this on the last podcast, but maybe I did. But of course, I ask every guest, what truly fulfills you? Developing people. Elaborate. Yeah, I I like to get, I like to help people unblock themselves. Mm. Because that's been a big part of my journey. People betting on me and mentoring me and developing me. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's been it's been really cool. And whether that's as simple as financials, mm-hmm. like a guy I just hired was got his first check and he was like, I'm going to go buy a car. Aww. And I think that's really cool. That's awesome. awesome. But I, I think most of the times it's not financial. It's, yeah, being able to see someone build a new skill set mm-hmm. and be able to play the long game with someone. Because mm-hmm. if I help them build a new skill set, yeah. 10, 20 years from now, they'll probably stack that into something else that right. I could have never had imagined. Right. And they probably won't still be working with me. So yeah. it's like, okay, I got to change someone's life. Right. So that's probably what fulfills me the most. You know, to be honest, I think it's funny because my previous guest, I think she said something relatively similar. Where the, I think the common theme is that what fulfills all of us is very connected to people mm-hmm. and helping people in some shape or form. It might not be in the same domain, but very much like the underlying reason is because it does impact, I think, the collective world mm-hmm. in a better way. And yeah. I think that's, I don't know, I've always been fascinated by that, which is why I call this podcast What Fulfills You. <laughs> well, Ronnie, thanks for joining me for a second time, focusing on business today. Where can people find you just in case they want to hit you up and talk a little bit more about business and entrepreneurship and maybe pick your brain even? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on, Emily. So you can just, I don't know, Google my name. Yeah. I think I will be the one that pops up, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Ronnie Hay. Yep. Perfect. And that was all for today's episode with Ronnie Hay, my good friend and fellow entrepreneur based in LA. If you are interested in connecting with him, all of his social media will be linked in the show notes and his website as well if you would like to reach out to him. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, found value, it'd mean the world if you could share this on your Instagram story, tag the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you. And of course, rate and review the podcast if you're listening from Apple or Spotify. It just takes a quick few seconds to give it a nice five stars. And thank you as always for supporting the show. I will talk with you all in the next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.